And so, Lord, today we need courage and strength. We need bravery. And, Father, we need the, the grace to stand, take stands. So I pray that you would help us today to not fear, but to believe and know that you are our God and that you overwhelmingly In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome online. If you are checking us out online, make sure to leave a comment or something. And, uh, you know, something smart. Smarter than what you're about to hear. Pretty sure. Are you here? Are you there online? Everybody's here? There's, some, there's noise in the room whether you can hear it or not. Hey, if this is your first time with us uh, and you would uh, like to know about what the things that we do, just send, text the word welcome to the number on that screen, 307-224-4404. You can do it at home, online, you can do it while you're here. It's okay to have your phone out. I know you're just on Facebook telling folks how awesome we are. Amen. All right, Leonard is. But everyone else is like, I'm waiting to see if you're worth listening to, pal. I get it. Uh, a couple things we're doing this month. We are taking donations for the food bank and for Inside Connection. Uh, the food bank, we're taking um, financial donations. You could uh, write the word missions on an envelope if you're here and uh, make a donation that way. You could text in a dollar amount and use the word missions on that uh, to our 84321 number if you're used to doing that. But uh, remember, every dollar you give feeds four people or provides four meals. Also, we're taking donate, diaper donations, so I know a lot of you probably have extra diapers laying around the house. Just kidding. That was kind of a joke. It wasn't funny, but it was still a joke. And um, so if you want to do donate those. Also, we're taking donations for Mass for School. So we are taking some donations this month outside of Ordinary Faith. If you want to help us out, that would be fabulous. So let's get started. We are today in our fourth message in our series called not scared, or as I like to say, ain't scared, but that's only because of where I'm from. And I want to preface the message today with this. I have um, thought and prayed a lot, not just about this series, but also about my own heart. As we come into a, a season in the history that we, that we get to inhabit. And uh, I, all through this, uh, up to this point at least, I've just asked God for wisdom and courage as to how that I can honor him, live for him, and not fear. Because I, I, I do have anxiety about things sometimes. I stress when I shouldn't. You can ask my wife. I make up stuff to worry about. And so, and don't tell me it doesn't work because 90% of the things I worry about do not happen. And so, anyway, what I want to do today is encourage you. But... In order to encourage you, just like we talked about last week and the week before, we have to deal with some, some realities and be honest about those. And so I, I, that's my heart's desire today is to look at some realities. And what I want you to do is I want you to recognize them, own them, and then realize that in the end they don't actually matter. Just because they're present doesn't mean they have to change us personally. Okay? So let's start with an amazing passage in Revelation chapter 19. Are you ready? Are you somewhat fired up? Okay, if you're sleepy, just kind of, if you're sleepy, go, Ooh. most people are awake. All right, good deal. You, I hope you're awake at home, all right? I'm looking at you, trying to. I have no idea what I'm doing. Okay, Revelation 19.6. John writing, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd and the roar of of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. 
Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him, for the time has come, for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. And then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said, No, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Guys, that's the dream. That, what I just read to you is the future moment that's coming. It's the worship service to end all worship services. It is, I mean, when, when you get to that worship service as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, when you get to that worship service, I don't care how reserved you are. I don't care how calm, cool, and collected you are. On that day, you are coming unglued. Some of you who have never said anything in church before are going to say something that day. And it won't be soft. Because the word of God says, John writes, it was like mighty ocean waves. There's an old song David Crowder used to do called, I'll, I'll Be More Undignified Than This, which is a quote from, uh, from David uh, when he was bringing the, the ark back into Jerusalem. And I'm just here to tell you, I'm just going to warn you, the most staunch, stodgy Baptist out there, I can say it because I grew up Baptist, is coming unglued on this day. Because this is what we're waiting for. This is the dream. And you're seeing every tongue, every tribe, nation come together. This is the, what Peter called the temple of living stones. What that means is this. God, the enemy lies about God all the time. And, and many people believe that in order to follow God, that God's going to make you conform to something. But what I want you to understand is God doesn't conform people. God transforms people. He releases in them his power to be what he created them to be. That's what transformation is. You see, the world, the culture you live in, it's making bricks. It's trying to make you fit a mold. And it's using every pressure it can come up with to force you into a mold through media, through movies, through music, through peers. Everything that it can to make you think and act like the, the, the darkness that's in the world. That is not how God works. God steps into your life from that moment of faith and repentance and he releases in you this amazing power to truly abundantly live and be uniquely who he created you to be. They're living stones. And so this is that moment when all of the living stones are present in the same place and they're there witnessing to and praising the one who enabled the freedom of transformation. This, this is what Jesus died for. I bit my own tongue there. I, I didn't just stumble over my eye teeth. I bit my tongue. Jesus said, or the Bible says of Jesus in Hebrews 12 too, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. You see, this group of people, the Bible calls the bride, and Jesus is the bridegroom. 
And this is why he died. This is the joy set before him. He saw this day. He saw this party, if you will. The one that came at great price, his own blood. He saw this day. And it filled him with joy. And because of that joy, he was able to endure the cross. Guys, this is where we're going. You've got to understand that. No matter what happens today, no matter what bad news you gets in the mail or gets delivered to you by anybody, you have to remember that where we're going is this worship service. This is the pinnacle. This is the moment. Are you with me? Now, the road from here to there might be a little bumpy, okay? And so that's what we want to prepare for. That's what I want to prepare you for is, is to, to get to this day and your faith be intact. One of my motivations for this series is that Jesus warned and Paul warned of a falling away. People are going to lose their faith. They're going to give up. They're going to believe the lies of the darkness of the world in which they live to the point that they sacrifice their own faith for it. It's going to happen. I don't want it to be you. I don't want it to be in the flock that God has given me the privilege and responsibility to serve. And so this is to prepare for that. Okay? You with me? Four of you. That sounded like four. Maybe six. All right. You'll get, you'll get there. Revelation 19.8. Te- to read again what we just read, it says that she has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Between here and there, there are three things in our life that cannot change. Our righteousness... Our witness and our worship. And so that be, this is where we begin. No matter how popular evil becomes, we must always and still do what is right. It doesn't matter how wicked the world gets. It matters that we follow the dictates and the laws of a higher kingdom. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? I think it's a cool book, but when I was younger, it scared me to death. I mean, there are these images in there. There's this dragon, and there's a beast. And I can't remember if it's Daniel or Revelation that talks about him having bones stuck in his teeth, you know. There's a prostitute in there who's drunk on the blood of martyrs. There's a false prophet. I mean, there's these images and these symbols that can terrify you if the lens by which you read this book is one fear. But here's the thing. The purpose of this book was courage. The purpose of the book of Revelation was to encourage the persecuted churches throughout Asia. By the way, there were more than seven churches. For those of you guys who know the book, it's addressed to the seven churches of Asia. There were more than seven churches at the time. There's there's something symbolic about those seven churches. And so in this book, Jesus sent us a word of courage and encouragement. And so that's what we need to read. That's how we need to read it. That's how we need to see it. And we need to not be discouraged by our circumstances. You can't be discouraged. You cannot let the darkness steal your courage. I read a, a wonderful book this year called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Great book, a bunch of great stories in it. It's, it's mainly about leadership and business, and I enjoy those kinds of books. But this one had a story in it that I found particularly encouraging for this point in history. And it's the story of Admiral James Stockdale. Admiral James Stockdale is the highest ranking military official to ever be a prisoner of war. He spent eight years as a prisoner of war in Vietnam. 
eight years. He endured incredible hardship, torture, abuse at the hands of his tormentors. His story is just, it's horrifying and encouraging at the same time. In his book, Jim Collins is, to, is relating how that he, he met with and interviewed Admiral Stockdale. And as he's hearing the difficulties that he endured, the suffering that he endured, the thought that went through his mind, I'll read his own words. Collins writes, it just seems so bleak, the uncertainty of his fate, the brutality of his captors and so forth. How on earth did he deal with it? And so that thought led Collins to ask the question, how did you survive eight years as a prisoner of war enduring incredible hardship and torture and pain? And Admiral Stockdale responded, and this was his answer. He said, I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. So he endured all of this, and all through it, he kept this faith that he would get through it. So that statement prompted another question by Jim Collins, who's the writer of the book. He asked him, well then, who didn't make it out? And this was Admiral Stockdale's answer. I have two more quotes I want to read you of his that really impacted me. Who didn't make it out? Here was Admiral Stockdale's answer. The optimist. Oh, they were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come, and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter, and Easter would come, and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving, and then it would be Christmas again. And they would die of a broken heart. This is the main thing I want you to remember that Admiral Stockdale learned and taught us from his experience. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you cannot afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. Guys, that's what we're doing in the series. We're trying to look at our brutal reality and not find fear in it and anxiety but find courage and hope. The hope that no matter what happens, it won't change who we are, and it sure won't change whose we are. So with that in mind, let me give you my next encouraging statement. You ready? (laughs) Evil people will flourish. Things will get worse. Things will get worse. I need to jump back because I missed the scripture on that last slide. No, on that last side, I, I, I am all, it's okay. There will be greater anguish in these days than at any time since God created the world, and it will never be so again. I want you to know, Jesus said, difficult days are ahead. Now, when I, I've, read, I've heard that passage for much of my life. Never really thought much about it. Sure, bad days are coming. But a few weeks ago, as I was studying for this series, I can't remember which message in particular, but it, a realization dawned on me. Really bad things have already happened. Really bad things have already happened. And we haven't reached the end yet. And Jesus says, Jesus warned us that there's a greater anguish in those days than at any time since God created the world, and it will never be so again. And so that, that my friends, as I think about it, I, it's hard to find courage in that. But if we can look at that brutal reality, that brutal reality that... As pessimistic as it sounds, 
and believe me, I'm not really known for being an optimist. You might have figured that out. That the, there's worse ahead. There's difficulty ahead. Jesus said, I'm sorry, Tim, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Yeah, it's exciting, right? <laughs> Let me just say, if what you think about God and, and that phrase, that verse can't go together, you got a problem. Your faith has a problem. You have a challenge before you because Paul taught us that there is difficulty for each of us that honestly follow Christ. And the idea that following Christ makes my life easier is foreign to the teaching of the New Testament. And so your faith has to capture that because right, Paul goes on to say evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and themselves. They'll be deceived. So we have, to, we have to look that reality in the face. We have to. Not to be afraid, not to be filled with anxiety, but just know that, that e- evil people are going to flourish. Difficult times are ahead of us, going to come. One of the things that, uh, I don't know if this will sit well with you, and I'm probably not worried about that actually, but people talk about, they look at the history of the world, and they call us very civilized. You know, we're, we're more civilized than we used to be. And, and I would argue that we're not very civilized at all today. I would argue that rather than being civilized, we've just learned how to hide our barbarianism. You know, in Rome, they had those, the gladiator games, and they hid the bloodshed and the barbarianism in that Colosseum. You could go there. And pretend like you weren't barbaric by nature because you were just going to watch an event. And I live in a world today that, that laughs at, the humili- the, at others being humiliated, that, that does not, has no idea how to have civil discourse. You'd think if we were civilized that civil discourse would be a, a natural flow out of that. We don't, know, um, we don't know how to treat people with kindness. And with respect. So I, I don't think the world's very civilized at all. And I, even though the world has, there are many wonderful things have come out of Western culture, out of America itself. There's also been a lot of horrible things. A lot of things that weren't so great. People have accepted things that are wrong and called them right. Well, here's what I'm here to tell you. That practically should not matter to how you live your life. What the world does and what it thinks is right and what it has determined to be right and wrong has no, should have no impact on your righteousness or your doing the right thing. You see, as a follower of Christ, you live by the laws of a new kingdom. The kingdom that Jesus is bringing to the world. A higher order of things. You can read about it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 8. There's a a new order to things. And that is what following Jesus is about. It's about living and doing what is right. Because that is the wedding dress of the bride. Do you understand that? That's what you see in Revelation 19. She is dressed in her righteousness. in In doing the things that are right. So I'm here to tell you how bad the world gets should not matter to a Christ follower. What the world says is right should not matter to you. We should do right no matter what.
Amen? We should do what's right. And, and what's happening in the wrong world and that's wrong shouldn't stop us. So, that, that, so our righteousness should not be impacted by the evil in the world. Verse 9 of Revelation 19. The angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. So this party, guys, I get to go. I get to go. Because at eight years, no, six years of age, when my wife was eight, because she's always been older than me, <laughs> Thanks, honey. I needed something funny right there, and I appreciate you helping me. I set it up, and she spiked it. That's how we roll. Anyway, six years of age in, in a church, a junior church program, someone invited me to this party. And the reason that happened was because about almost a year previous or several months previous, these two nuts drove by our house in the car and pulled in the driveway and invited my parents to this party. To the wedding feast of the Lamb. They shared with them the story of Jesus, the forgiveness that is available when we turn from our own ways and turn to God's ways. And that's the invitation that they got offered. Now here's the thing, the Bible makes it clear that if you get an invitation to this party, that you are blessed. Whether or not you accept the invitation or not, just getting the invitation is a blessing. Blessed are those who are invited to the the marriage feast of the Lamb. Now, here's another thing you should know about this party. Everybody there is bad. No good people get to come. Do you know why? There are no good people. Isn't that, do you, I know, no, Michael, I'm pretty good. Re, read Romans 3, and then we'll talk about it, okay? Your homework is Romans 3, and then call me up. I'll buy you coffee, and you can be upset about what God says, okay? Not me, what he says. So the point is this, everybody at this par- party is composed of the formerly evil. The formerly evil. God saves the bad ones. God save me. I get to go because somebody blessed me with an invitation. Jesus said in a story he told, he said, so his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. See, all the good people turned down the invitation. And so Jesus said, go invite all the bad ones, all the homeless, all the lost, all the broken, all the sick, all the lame. You scour the back roads and the alleys, and you invite them to the feast. If you get invited to this party, you are blessed. Because you see what happens when someone is invited is it reveals what they believe already. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 6, For we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. So you invite somebody, they accept the invitation, they have a spirit of truth. They reject the invitation, they have a spirit of deception. The the point is this. No matter how popular or unpopular it is to invite people, to this celebration, to this worship service, to share with people the hope of Christ and the gospel of Christ. No matter how popular or unpopular that is, it changes nothing. Our mission is the same. Our mission is to bless people with an invitation to the worship service, to the party, to the dinner party. You might have, you might, wouldn't that be a cool way to, to, to share faith with somebody? I'd like to invite you to a party. Biggest one ever. 
You might change it up depending on who they are, I guess. The point is this. Every time, every time a soul is invited, they are blessed. So what does that raise for you and for me? This was one of my dad's, or this is one of my dad's favorite scriptures. He says, the, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. As I was writing this and praying over this, it raised the question, who have I blessed? Who have I blessed? Have I blessed my children? Have I blessed my children with an invitation to the greatest celebration ever? With a, the gift of faith, the gift of a higher law, higher mandates to live by than merely just trying to get through life hurting as few people as possible. Have I blessed my friends, my family, my siblings, my cousins? Have I blessed the people that I work with, the people that I meet? Have I blessed them with the invitation? I mean, you don't even have to print these things. You know that, right? You, you can just invite. Maybe you invite them uh, into uh, a conversation about Christ, or you invite them to church, or you, maybe it's someone you know better, and you can invite into a deeper conversation, or into a a, a discovery study of the scriptures themselves. The point is this. Who have you invited? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if inviting people to Christ is legal or illegal. It doesn't matter if it's socially acceptable or not. It doesn't matter what it costs to invite people to this celebration, to Christ. What matters is that we do it and that we bless people. And that's important. It's important for us to realize that no matter how wrong the world is, we still do what's right. And no matter how unacceptable it is to invite people to Christ, we still invite. You've got to understand, circumstances don't change what we're here to do. Amen? That's what we're here to do. So, no matter what, we don't let the world steal our righteousness and we don't let the world steal our witness. And the third thing we don't let the world steal is our worship. Revelation 19.10 Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, No, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. I... I I only have time to deal with those three words, worship only God. But I'm going to tell you, that last phrase for the essence of prophecy is to give clear witness of Jesus is loaded. But let's not get distracted, as hard as that is for me, okay? Worship only God. I don't know if you know this or not, but all the problems in our world have at least something to do with the issue of worship. The issue of who gets the worship. Now, as Christians, we really need to prepare our hearts for this reality. Because there are many stories in the Bible about those who were punished and suffered for worshiping the true God instead of the God that was trying to be imposed upon them. My favorite story about this is in Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love these three guys. What happened in it was King Nebuchadnezzar was there, who was an evil king. you got to know this, guys. God can use evil kings. I don't know if you know, 
it doesn't matter if the king's good or bad. The God in heaven is still good. All right? And so Nebuchadnezzar was a bad dude. And I, I don't know if you know the story or not. I'll give you the brief cliff notes, okay? He built a statue of himself. That's pretty arrogant, right? He just made it look like him. Made it out of gold. A gold statue of himself. He hired ACDC to come in and play music. For you young people, that's a cool band back many years ago. And uh, they played, uh, never mind, I better stop uh, there. I'm, I'm falling into the 80s again. Um, they played music, and when they played music, everyone's supposed to bow and worship the image of King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, here's the thing. There were these three guys that were high up in Nebuchadnezzar's court. They weren't nobodies. They were somebodies. But you see, these, these somebodies knew that there was only one true God to worship. And so they did not take a knee and they did not worship the gold statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. And they got called on it, got arrested for it, and they got brought before a very angry tyrant of a king. And the king was going to burn them alive for not bowing to, the, to his golden image. And they told, he told them, he said, you got one more chance. You can bow right now. We're going to start the music. The band's going to play, and you worship my image. If not, we're going to throw you, and we're going to burn you in that furnace over there. And this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's answer to, to King Nebuchadnezzar. And I love it, and I pray that God embeds in us the courage to do this very thing and feel this very way. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Woo! I'm telling you. That's the, that's the heart of faith. I trust and worship the one true God. I don't have time for your not gods. I don't have time for your idols. You see, there's a worship service that I'm going to. I'm scheduled for. It's on my calendar. I just don't know what date it is just yet. And I'm going to be there, and it's going to be awesome. The best ever. That's where I'm going. Your earthly gods mean nothing to me. This world has broken me, beaten me, damaged me, stolen from me, and killed people that I love. You think I want to worship anything that this planet has to offer? No, thank you. I'm here to worship the one true God who created me, loves me, and is going to, by the grace of Jesus, the blood of Christ, and the power of his word, transform my life from being a boring old brick to becoming this living, powerful expression of Jesus' stone in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? You can't beat that. No government. See, I told you it's about worship. Governments want to be God. I don't know that the men in them want to be God, but the darkness, the forces of darkness behind them want to be God in your life. It has always been that way. It will always be that way. It's always overreaching into your life. This isn't political, just history, okay? They want you to worship them and rely on them. That's what worship is, by the way. It's relying on someone to meet your needs. Well, there's the only one who can meet your needs, and it's Father God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of His Holy Spirit. Governments are always going to try and make themselves God. 
Men are going to invent gods. In the Middle East and in many other countries now, they've invented a gods and forced people to worship them that are gods of their own imagination invented hundreds of years ago. Even the church, even many, even some churches throughout Christendom have made up a God that doesn't exist and pretend to worship Him and force that on people. My point is simply this. It's always about worship. It's always about who you pray to. And if you're praying to not God, if you're praying to yourself, <laughs> what does that sound like? Come on, Michael, you can do it. I'm not God. I, I have a strength, but if you want real strength, you have to connect with the one, the God, who is strength. It doesn't matter who the world says to worship. It doesn't matter who all the people around you worship. It does matter that you worship the one and only true God. Do you understand that? No matter if it's legal or not. No matter if it's socially acceptable or not. We worship the one true God. What other people say does not matter. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter what they say is right and wrong. We do what's right. It doesn't matter whether it's acceptable or legal to invite people to the celebration, but we will not lose our witness. And it doesn't matter who men say that we should worship. We worship the one true God. You cannot let your circumstances, the laws of the land, the cruelty of evil people, change these things in you. Your righteousness, your witness, and your worship must be true. Amen? Do you understand? All right, good. So, here's why we do this. Because, yes, I said earlier, the worst is yet to come, but also the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We already read about the worship service. We already read about the fact that there's going to be, be people singing and shouting and praising God so loud that it sounds like the ocean's being ripped apart and the sky's being torn asunder. We've already read that. And we, we saw that moment and we know that that's our moment. That's the day that we are headed toward. But what you didn't see was, was the instigator of the moment, the spark of the moment. Revelation 19, 11. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there and his rider was named faithful and true for he judges fairly and he wages righteous war and his eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns and a name was written on him that no one could understand except himself that is the object of our worship jesus christ come back with eyes of fire, hair of white, many crowns, a name no one understands, called him faithful and true. That's what we're waiting for. The day when Jesus is unveiled and you get to see with, with your spirit eyes, with, the, 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 with these new eyes, something you couldn't see on this earth, something you could understand, something you could hope for, something you could get a taste of. As Paul said, you could see dimly. But one day you see clear, this is that moment. This is where we're headed. That's the one I worship. No, no government official can ever be that. No idol, no statue made by men could ever be that. You understand, right? And so let me conclude by, by just this, guys, what 
At what price? At what price would, would we be silent and no longer invite people to, the, to this feast, to Jesus? At what price would we give up our own righteousness in doing the right thing? At what price would we surrender the worship of the God who loved us, pursued us, and saved us? And I pray and hope that the answer to that is there is no price. There's nothing the world can do to stop me from doing the right thing. There's nothing the world can do to stop me from blessing you with an invitation to Jesus Christ. There's nothing the world can do to end my worship. For if they take my life here, I will just finish the verse there. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. Right now, though, Lord, we need to worship you. We need to look up in our hearts, look up with our eyes, and we need to realize and love the fact that we are loved. We need to embrace our Father God and worship Him from the depths of our souls. We need the courage to never back down, never surrender, never give up our worship, our witness, and the righteousness of Jesus through us. I pray that you would empower this flock today and all who care to listen to live boldly for Christ. In His name I pray.